Greetings, everyone. This is Michael Govier for the First Day Podcast. Join my co-host, Leanne Hello, and myself as we dive into a very special episode. Sure, all of our episodes are special, but this one in particular features a dear friend of mine talking about his experience with gambling addiction. The very first time he's addressed this in a public manner, and we couldn't be more grateful and proud of Chris Deary for joining us on today's show. Chris is very open, and it's not a downtrodden tale. The way he tells it, there is a lot of hope and opportunity for learning from his experience. So we hope that you take something from this show that you could apply to people you know, love, and care about who may be in need of some type of assistance. Social support means everything when it comes to addiction. Now strap in for a very special episode featuring Chris Deary on the First Day Pod. Oh, here we are. Hey, what do you know? It's us. Yeah. We're doing a show now. Sorry. This is the First Day Podcast. We've been on for a little bit. We had technical difficulties. It was a real challenge to get two Bluetooth headphones connected to the same speaker, the same computer, because we're here together in real life. <laughs> but we did it. So here we are. Hello, everyone. Hi. This is our guest today. Christopher Deary is live and uncensored. He's going to be here to talk about some of his experience over the last year. Give him a lot of respect. Give him all the props in the world because takes courage to do what he's doing and he's being open and honest about gambling addiction his experiences and some of the challenges so please be kind be supportive say hello to everyone josh says hey chris there it is there you go hello everyone mike leanne thanks for having me on my good friends thanks it's been a few weeks on. since i've seen you but uh it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of this pod uh i said literally last week and uh, yeah, and I told Mike, I said, hey, I want to I want to come on next year. It's been one year since uh, I came clean about everything. And uh, I'm glad to be on. It's wonderful news. Makes me very happy. So grateful that you're doing this. Don't forget, first at gmail.com. Send us an email. If there's any questions, concerns or curiosities that you have, we are together this week in real life as opposed to being separate because Leanne's here with me on a Sunday night at the uh, house that most people don't know exists. And I've never been. <laughs> That's just what my brother said. We just came from Matt's house. Uh, we were hanging out with Matt and Carrie and Troy, and he's like, yeah, I've never been there. never seen it. So it's a very common occurrence. Don't worry, Chris. You're not alone. Oh, yeah, Carrie's here now. Hi, we are here. That's Carrie and Matt. Uh, they Ignore the handle. That's Carrie and Matt. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're live here. And, of course, if you like a book club, you can check out our book club every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, live on Zoom. Send us a link. First day pot at gmail.com if you want to know more about it. But let's talk about Chris. So, uh, Chris, why did you decide to come on the show here and talk with us? Well, yeah, so I decided to come on the show. It's been um, one year, December 1st, since I made my last bet and came clean about everything uh, to all the ones I love, my family, my friends, uh, most importantly, my wife. And because it's been such a great year and 
you know, as the holidays are coming up and so many people are feeling the pressures of, you know, seeing family, you know, financial issues that people could have. Do I have enough money to buy Christmas gifts for everybody? I thought it'd be a good time to come on and be open and honest about my experience um, over the last 20 years. And then uh, specifically, specifically over the last year since I've been in recovery from this. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it and answer any questions that anyone has for me as well. First off, as somebody who struggled with my own opioid addiction, I commend Chris, and I'm so grateful. I love you, man, and I'm such, such a if awe. I'm impressed by you. I, I didn't know if I didn't really think you would do something like this. I'm actually surprised, but I'm very, very surprised in the best way possible. So, thank you for coming on and doing this. But, uh, why why else do you think this is important? Uh, do you see this beyond as something beyond yourself, or are you just trying to? kind of feel into the waters here and be like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm just kind of figuring it out and see what happens. Well, you know, since I, you know, came clean and told you about it a little over a year ago, Mike, I mean, you were one of the first people that knew along with a couple of our other really great friends and my wife. I, you know, I'm not really doing this for myself. I've, I've been extremely successful in this recovery. I took all the, the right steps to, you know, be honest with it, write all the debt that I had, um, you know, go to therapy for this, um, it's something that I never thought would end up happening to me. I've I'd been a casual gambler all my life. And then it got real, real deep in about mid 20, mid 2020. Um, and it was about for about four or five months. It just got, it just got really, really deep and real bad. And I've always been open and honest once I, you know, came clean with, with, with you and some of our friends and my wife and, you know, anyone that, you know, asked me about it, you know, I, I was completely open about everything that had happened to me and, you know, what type of recovery I was going through, what was working for me, what struggles or triggers I may have. Um, you know, we also live in a society, it's Sunday right now, so everybody knows it's, it's, it's football day. It's gambling day for a lot of people. Um, sports gambling was never the one thing that, that got me. It was, uh, it was that online blackjack that ended up, ended up getting me and, uh, go down a dark hole that I never thought would end up happening. Um, so really, you know, it's important to, to come clean. It, it, and more importantly, that it can happen to anybody. As I was going through Gamblers Anonymous meetings and, and going to therapy about it, I realized that oh, this is something that happens to a lot of people. And it's very easy to go down that steep road. And if you don't have the the discipline with, you know, your money and some of your triggers in terms of whether it's going to casinos or betting online with sports or going into the online casinos, it's really, really easy to, you know, fall into, you know, really, really tough times with this. And it can really happen to anybody. And that's the one thing I realized as I was going through recovery and talking to a lot of other people who also have, you know, addictions like this. Was there a point where you could see that it was turning down the, now I'm not just like, casually gambling and now it's turning into a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it got to a point where it just, it wasn't fun. And it was probably about maybe a month and a half, two months before I came clean, which was last December 1st, which, which was the last bet. And, you know, my wife started to notice changes in me. I wasn't sleeping as often. Um, I was on my phone a lot, um, doing a lot of nefarious things on my phone in terms of, uh, you know, placing some big bets and throwing some money from the bank account in there. Um, so she started to notice a change um, and the anxiety of, of really keeping it from everybody uh, was probably the thing that really got me the most. And, you know, it was affecting, you know, my relationships with my friends. I wasn't be, being as communicative with my wife or, or with my family. 
Um, the biggest part about this is when this happened, I was actually not working because it was in the middle of quarantine. It was middle of the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. And although I was still working, I was working for home, from home and it was a lot of Zoom meetings. So I had a lot of free time at home. And, you know, I, I generally wrap myself up into work and, and work a lot. And I didn't have that opportunity to be working a lot. And then when I did go back in the fall to work, my job was completely different. So even when I was at work, I had all this free time and, and I was gambling when I was at work. You know, I'll be 100 percent honest. I was doing that. Um, and so, yeah, once it got to a point where it was probably September of October of 2020, when I started taking out a lot of high interest loans and you're just just hiding a lot of the money that, you know, that that I had had. And, you know, my oh, wife, man. my wife had always been, you know, she always knew that I, you know, play some bets on on football games or baseball games and but that was more for fun it was you know five ten dollar parlays twenty dollars a game but but that wasn't fun for me there was actually I never bet a ton on sports matches or, or games because the anxiety of putting like five hundred dollars out and betting a 49ers Panthers game I couldn't take that three and a half hours of anxiety so that's why I geared towards the the online the the online games and specifically you know blackjack uh you know my history of you know card games and casinos i i started playing poker in my early 20s kind of when that poker boom started in the early 2000s and i've always considered myself an above average poker player and we would go to the casinos on weekends and you know i'd, I'd play online poker here and there it was never for, for big bucks and it was more for fun it was never anything that was really affecting you know my mental stability or even my bank account at the time do you think that there was a portion? Do you? Th That's a microphone. Do it, Leanne. I know. Let's just why don't you just hold it and put it right up to your mouth. There you go. All yeah. right, there we like, go. People say they it's can't like hear you that well, so. Oh shoot! Okay. Now they can. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Well, with mine, I usually am this far. I know. Away. I'm anyway, sorry. Okay, we're so doing the best fine. we can here. It's a live show. We're together. I love you very much. I do. <laughs> I you know love that. You too. Um. Okay. So where was I? So I was going to ask. Do you think that there was like, there was like a difference? Now that they have like uh, the online, I've, I've noticed like on TV there, is that better? Yeah. Okay. So I've noticed that on, on TV and stuff, they have a lot more commercials about online gambling and they're, are they changing the platform that it just made it more like enticing? Do you think that had any part of it? It became legal in a lot of states where it wasn't legal before. Um, so a lot of the sites that people had been previously, you know, placing bets on or in online casinos were offshore, you know, Caribbean sites that you could use as 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 an American, whether it's you know illegal in your state or not, you could still do it. You could still get paid out by it. You know, people have been doing it for years. There's always kind of this backdoor angle into doing some of the online stuff. But within the last year, year and a half is when a lot of places went live and where it became legal to, to do all this. I mean, I think right in the middle of quarantine and right, right, uh, I think it was that like March 13th, the casinos downtown in Detroit opened up sports books and they started getting their online stuff ready to go that would roll out. And that all rolled out a, a couple months later. So it became more accessible. They've all you know, whether it be casinos or, or online sites uh, that used to be, you know, specifically just for like fantasy football, like your daily fantasy football type stuff, that stuff all got to a point where you could start betting on games as well. And it wasn't just daily fantasy or fantasy football that you could do. You could do it all. Um, 
And it was really interesting because as all this stuff became completely legal, um, I was just kind of starting to get out of all of this, especially with like the commercials that really started to ramp up, I'd say right around the start of 2021. Um, and that's that's when I started my recovery. And that's when I was getting getting out of it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people asked if those were triggers, seeing those commercials every time you're in the car and you're listening to, you know, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio. I listen to a lot of sports podcasts and all those podcasts and all those commercials, whether it be TV or radio, are pushing gambling websites. And it's it's very easy to say, hey, oh, you know, we'll give you a thousand free dollars with your twenty dollar deposit. But it's not a thousand free dollars. It's a thousand dollars of free bets and you have to hit a certain amount of bets or winnings before you can ever cash anything out. So, you know, if, if you're not doing your research and if you're somebody that can, you know, has that addictive personality that can go really deep into something, I, I think if you're not responsible, it could become very, very difficult for you. So, so what, uh, say something. I, I was just going to ask, so what, oh my gosh. Okay. So I was just going to ask, what are some of the triggers like, are you finding that right now, a year into recovery, are there still triggers that are coming up for you? No, none at all. And it's it's actually been extremely surprising to me that there are no triggers. Um, I think the you know when I first started going, you know, December 1st of last year, I made my last bet. I think it was like a Monday night game or something like that. And threw my last 250 bucks on the Eagles or something like that. And I lost it all. And I was like, okay, well, all right, now it's over. Now I got to come clean, which I did the next day. Um, but I would say that I wasn't getting any triggers after that because I knew I kind of knew what what the stakes were at that point. Um, I, I had lost a lot of money. I, you know, I opened up to all of my family about it and they said, hey, you need to go get help for this. And the one thing that was I was very appreciative of is the people that were very supportive. They're people are very angry with me at first. But, you know, as weeks went on, months went on. Um, and I started going to more meetings. It was a lot easier. So I was going to as many meetings as possible at the start. I was going to maybe two to three meetings a day. Um, you know, the holidays had hit. Uh, I, I knew that I, I, I couldn't get into any of my accounts. To I, I disabled all of my online accounts. Um, I disabled my bank account to where everything was going to my wife so she could see my bank account to see if anything was going on. I was showing my, her my bank account every day to see that I wasn't you know, making any deposits or anything like that. And I wasn't getting any triggers for a while. I mean, I think the first time I got any triggers was probably March of 2020 or 2021 when we got to the NCAA basketball tournament, because that was something I always enjoyed, you know, placing small bets on. But it was it was very small that I got like this very small trigger. And then I was like, OK, I got to go hit a meeting. So I hit a meeting. Besides that, they're just, you know, uh, it's surprising to me that I didn't really have any triggers. I think it was such a massive weight off my chest that when, when I finally came clean, like I had hit rock bottom five times through it. So it was like, okay, I, you know, and anyone who gambles understands this, that you get to a point where, okay, that's it. That's my last bet, whether you win or you lose, but it's, it's, it's not your last bet. And I am certainly aware that maybe I haven't made my last bet that maybe there could be a bet down the road, but I take it day by day and, distract myself with other stuff. And, you know, there really hasn't been triggers since, since March at all. I, I went through therapy for almost a good year. My last session was in October. Um, and then my therapist moved on to another place. And as I was going through therapy, it wasn't just gambling. I was talking about, I was talking about, you know, my childhood and my upbringing and relationships with friends and family. So in, in the end, the, the therapy was 
extremely cathartic, not only for the gambling, but to get all, all a lot of other stuff off my chest that I've been thinking about for years. Wow. Well, that's surprising. Yeah. Not everybody has the same experience, the same path. There are people who triggered constantly will need assistance 24 seven. And I guess I, what, what do you, do you think this is a one-off thing that kind of just happened for a little while? I mean, I know you, we, you've gambled for years, but it was never really anything major that I, at least I, as far as I ever knew, it was just something that uh, passed the time on Sundays or certain days, Saturdays. But did this, is this a fluke? Uh, was it just one time where it happened or could you see yourself doing this again? I, I don't see myself doing this again. Um, I'm not going to say that I've made my last bet. I, I may make a bet years down the road, but who who knows? Uh, to me, I don't I don't know if you can say it's a fluke thing, but when you get so far deep into it, like it's hard to get out. I mean, there was many times where I was cashing out thousands of dollars, and then there was also days where I was losing a thousand dollars. So when you get to a point where you're down a certain amount of money and you see how much you've invested into this, you're chasing to try to get back to, to even. And even when you get close to even, when you get as deep as I was, there was no getting even because then I had to recoup after that. And I had to get more than that, more than that. But then, you know, you start losing more, you start losing more, you start making bigger bets, bigger bets, start taking out more loans. I mean, it got to a point where I was gambling so I could pay off those short-term loans that had super high percentages on them. So I was doing that. It, that was my reason to like stay gambling for a good probably month, month and a half. And then it got to a point where it was like, okay, this is just, this is too deep. I, I, I need help. And I, I knew for probably about two, three weeks that it was really serious and I had to completely stop. And then it was always, okay, this Sunday is the last time. This Monday is the last time. I mean, it was to a point where, I was waking up in the middle of the night and going out to the couch in our living room and just placing bets on blackjack for two, three hours. Wow. And I feel like that's what makes that such a difficult addiction. I mean, all addictions are, are really tough, but that's the one addiction that if you keep it up, you might be able to pay it off. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're an alcoholic and you're trying to cut it back, there's never a time that you're going to say, okay, but if I just have one more drink, this might be the drink that ends up curing my liver. Or this might, like, that doesn't happen. This is the one thing that's like, it's like almost you you think that the solution is in the problem. Yeah, you know? I, I abs absolutely believe that. And the one thing that I was was probably the biggest crush for me was just the access to it. So, you know, you think back 10, 15 years ago when I would play poker or even, you know, if let's say casinos had sports books 10, 15 years ago, I wouldn't be going there every single day to go make bets. You know, there's a casino 45, 50 minutes from us, three of them downtown. And, you know, gambling has been legal downtown for, you know, 20, 25 years. I would go down there every few months and, Casinos were never fun for me. I would I would like to go and sit down and, and sit at like poker tables and stuff like that. But the big difference is, and this is what I told Mike, and I, it's what I talked a, a lot about in my meetings, is when you go to the casino, you see that $100 that you're cashing in for chips. You're seeing that $20 that you're putting into a slot machine or that $50 that you're putting down on you know, a, a poker hand or something like that. When you're doing this stuff online, it doesn't seem real. That money that is, it, 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 it seems completely virtual and it's almost like a video game. If I were to go down to the casino, sit at a blackjack table, which I've done before, but it's it's not that fun to me. Once I'm down, okay, here's the amount of money I feel comfortable losing. Okay, if it's 100 bucks, when I'm down 100 bucks, okay, I'm out. 
online, it was just completely different. And I needed that instant fix of, you know, you can get hundreds of hands within an hour. Um, you know, even if you go to the casino and you play blackjack, you can't get that many hands in, in, that quickly. Um, and when, when you're doing it online, you can get it so fast and, I, and you can play at any time of the day. It could be six in the morning, four in the morning, be one in the afternoon. At any point of the day, you can do this. And anytime I was transferring money from my bank account into, you know, my online gambling account, it never seemed real that that money was leaving me. If I had $1,500 in front of me and I went to the casino, there's no way I would lose all $1,500. It'd probably be a couple hundred dollars at the worst. Or even if I got up a couple hundred dollars, I'd walk away. I did that many times when I go to the casino and play poker. If I was up a couple hundred bucks, I would walk away. Online is just completely different. Yeah, it's a real, real sense of absolute imagination in a sense. Like, oh, click a button, click a button, click a button, click a button, click a button. There's no dealing around the table. There's nobody staring at you saying, hey, come on, hurry up, or don't. Oh, you screwed us at the table. Thanks a lot. That doesn't exist in the online world because it's just so damn easy. It is like a video game. I know exactly what he's talking about. I, I've seen that. I personally experienced it once back in Henry Street a long time ago, I remember. I was of doing course. that dumb stuff. And now it's even easier to do it than it was then. That was like 15, 14 years ago. Uh, Josh has a question. He says, do you think that working through other issues help you to not be triggered now? I mean, I think what I said before is just the stakes were so high once I came clean about it that I knew that I could lose my marriage. I could lose my house. I could lose important relationships with friends and family if I continued. And if I wasn't honest with myself, I mean, the, the one thing I talked about in therapy a lot that that was probably the one thing that kept me away from being triggered. Uh, the first three months, I went once a week for a couple hours. Um, after that, it started being every couple weeks. And then the last couple months, it was once a month. But what what I really talked about when I was there was that, you know, the, the triggers weren't there all the time, but just being able to go and talk about it, it just basically going being honest about it. Uh, the, the weight that came off my chest was massive when I finally told people. And that was like, I, I remember I talked to you, Mike, that, that night that I, that I came clean to my wife and he was just like, dude, this sucks. This is terrible. But like, do you feel like there's a huge weight off your chest? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I feel so much better. I know I got a long road ahead of me and I got to do a lot to regain some trust, but being able to finally come clean about it was so, so huge because there the, the, the last probably month and a half was just it was really rough. There would be days where I would lose a lot of money and I'm just I'm pacing around the house. And I started thinking about just like really I wasn't thinking about, you know, hurting myself or, or, or anything like that or hurting anybody else. But I was thinking of just like these dark, dark things. I'm just like, is this what I am? Is like this, this is what I've become? You know, I, I started thinking about just like dreadful things and it didn't make sense because I'm not that type of person at all. Um, and that's something that, you know, I talked about in therapy and I, I, I talked about with my wife is just like being able to finally, you know, get that stuff off off my chest was was really, really huge. I guess Mike wants me to talk now. No, I just want to hold the mic for you now. It's fun for me. <laughs> um, so I have a question. Have you had like any uh like addiction per se prior to this any other kind of things that you feel like you might have struggled with anything yeah like comorbidity with other issues or other addictions frankly whether it's food 
it or anything that you like an addictive person maybe didn't even notice it at the time but maybe uh, you see it now after the fact i would say over years there's been poor habits but i wouldn't call any of them addictions i mean obviously you know when i was in my early 20s and i was off at college and discovering alcohol and drinking I loved alcohol and I loved drinking and it never changed me as a person. I was life of the party when I drank and I'm lucky because I know people who are in recovery from alcohol addiction and that has just got to be one of the absolute worst. And I'm lucky that 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 never really grabbed a hold of me Uh, that, you know, I can go three, four weeks without having a drink and it's no big deal or I could go out tomorrow night and have a whole bunch of drinks and have a good time and feel like crap the next morning because I'm 41 now. Can't do it so much anymore. But I think as you get older, it's a lot easier to, you know, kind of set your priorities straight. And and, and alcohol is more of just like, uh, I'm going to drink alcohol if it's fun. You know, cigarettes, I've battled cigarettes on and off, you know, my whole life. So there's certainly a little bit of addiction to that. Um, but besides that, no, there was never really any other addictions. I think the biggest issue for me is that I'm wildly irresponsible with money and that did not help gambling whatsoever. I mean, I'm the type of person that, especially at the start of quarantine, there was Amazon boxes on our front porch every day. Cause I'm just ordering stupid crap. I don't need, you know, when I was in high school, I spent any time I got a paycheck, it was gone that week. I mean, we we're making what four sixty five an hour or something back then. Yeah. 96 97 and uh i spent all that on cds and uh you know cases and blue light back then and I, there was never a point where i was ever saving money um luckily my wife is amazing at saving money and she never kind of understood she'd be like what where's all the money in your bank account and this was before you know i even had the gambling addiction i'm like i don't know i just buy stupid shit <laughs> yep see that's what i was thinking about a lot of the things that led to this event were already habits you learned unfortunate habits, bad conditioning, routines. I understand exactly what you mean. Never learned anything about money growing up. I didn't even know what the hell a credit report was. I was 20 years old. I was like, huh? Like, that stuff matters. It's not the only reason, but this stuff factors in. And if you, I really believe this. The more I've encountered it, my own experience, and all the other people I've talked to, it's all these early habits and conditions that are learned in childhood, teenage years, adolescent years. They stick with you unless you really stop and say, yo, whoa, man, I'm an adult now and I have learned some bad habits and I have to actively work my ass off to change these habits. Yeah. And it's, it's extremely hard to self-regulate, you know, especially if you are a person that are irresponsible with things like that, especially money. I've always been irresponsible with, with money my whole life. So that certainly was never going to help when I got, you know, deep into the throes of the gambling addiction. Yeah. I knew all about that. I mean, I uh, I never learned all those basics, so it did set me back for a while. And I had to make up for it in my 30s to figure it out. It was really challenging for me. Uh, we had a couple comments. Uh, Carrie and Matt say, Age of first use of nicotine is an indicator of many addictions, including gambling disorder. That sounds like that's from Matt directly. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Matt's uh, well-versed in those types of uh, research numbers. Michelle says, as with any addiction, if you're hiding it, being secretive, and it is affecting your life in any way negatively, it's a problem. Of course it is. Nobody wants to hide the best things about themselves. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm one that uh, tends to take over conversations and talk about myself a lot, which is another thing I've been working on, which is another thing I like learned through therapy, which was great, is 
you know, these small ticks and annoyances that I have with myself, like I've been able to work on and self-regulate. But, you know, Michelle makes a great point of the, the secretive part of it was like, and, uh, you know, this is something I also talked about through therapy. There was almost a thrill of having that secret. There, there really was. And I, even though it was such a terrible secret to keep from people, especially when it got really bad, there was a little bit of a thrill of having that secret and then also being able to play, you know, 50 hands of blackjack in 10 minutes. And, you know, that thrill, I, I've always kind of been a thrill seeker. And, uh, you know, I, that certainly didn't help when I got into, you know, deep into the the, the money issues and, you know, the, the trust issues and the I think with any addiction, um, once you do come clean about it, it's really, really hard to regain trust from from anybody. And that was the one thing I learned a lot about Gamblers Anonymous. When I was in Gamblers Anonymous, I didn't talk for probably the first seven or eight meetings because I was in awe by how many people were in these rooms. And it, it was the one thing that was actually really good about quarantine and the pandemic is that I was going through all of this and I was at home. So I was able to you know, go online and find a meeting, you know, pretty much any, every 15 minutes of the day, I can go find a meeting if I wanted till, you know, four in the morning and, you know, hearing other people talk about their addictions. And there's people who've been going through this for 20, 25 years. Some people that are still actively in it, other people that have been, you know, clean for 20, 25 years. And I did notice a lot of them had other addictions, whether it be cigarettes, alcohol, um, drugs, um, recreational drugs, or, you know, illicit drugs. A lot of people had a lot of other addictions that were going on. And I don't want to say that, like, I'm a better case of an addiction, but I, I realized how bad it was for some people. And I was like, you know, I, and I would get off, you know, some of these calls and go to my wife. And I'm like, wow, I, there's people that are a lot worse off than me. And she's like, well, don't, say it like that. Like you're, you're bad. Too. You're bad too. I'm like, well, you know, I, I own a house. I have a car. I have friends. I have family. I mean, it was the one thing that gave me a lot of perspective where if I don't take care of this now, I could be in meetings like this for the next 10, 15 years, still trying to say that yesterday was my last bet or today was my last bet. And there was a lot of that, that I would, that I would see. And there's people that had lost their kids and lost their houses. And I'm like, you know, I, I spent a lot of my 30s really like figuring out, you know, what I wanted to do with my life and went and finished college and, you know, got a good career, got married, bought a house. And it's like there's way too much to throw away right now. So let's take care of this. Absolutely. And I feel like so because you didn't have the other addictions prior, that could be par partially like why this would blind why the why this would blindside you um because you know it's if you have microphone that's all so what it's just direct you got to speak directly it's not a condenser that has multiple angles that's all okay yeah you're doing great so sorry people that are just listening to this and can't see me uh it's a new microphone for me i have no idea what i'm doing anyway so i feel like if you would have had other addictions that you had worked through you might have been able to see the signs of the feelings of what was coming up for you but if you never really had that before i'm impressed that it, you were able to catch it so quickly, you know, that you didn't go years of just losing everything. Yeah, it, it, it could have gone for a, for a, a long time. And, you know, Mike, Mike has known, I've, I've been a casual gambler for, you know, since, since I was 17, 18 years in high school, 
18 years old in high school. We would every every weekend we'd go play poker and we'd play high low and we'd play all these goofy like games where maybe you're losing at most, you know, 50 bucks, 75 bucks, 100 bucks. No one's losing too much. And also the stakes were very low back then for us. You know, we're you're you're paying 99 cents to fill up your uh to get a gallon of gas in your in your car. It's not like, you know, most of us were still living with our parents. We didn't have mortgages. We didn't have wives. Um so it was I mean it was off and on for years and maybe maybe you know over the last 10 years, maybe it was every six months I would pop back into my online account and maybe get in a poker tournament or play a little online blackjack or, or, or make some sports bets. But, you know, when it was, you know, pretty much March, April, that's when I started to do it more and started to do it every day. And there was, the, the craziest thing is there wasn't many much sports that was going on at the time. So there wasn't much sports that I could bet on. Um, a friend of mine turned me on to betting on uh, virtual Madden, which was, I'm betting on oh, yeah. playing video games. And that was that was very comical to me. But it was also like I, I wasn't spending a lot of money. It was, you know, excess cash, you know, 10, 15, 20 bucks. You know, it's a couple packs of cigarettes or it's a it's a case of beer. That's how I always pictured it if I was losing. Or if I went to the casino when I was younger and I'm like, oh, I, I spent a hundred dollars to, you know, have five, six hours of fun and you know, have, maybe have a couple of drinks. Okay, that was worth it. And when you're losing, you know, five, six, fifteen hundred, thirty-five hundred dollars in a day, then you realize that it's really, really affecting you, and you start looking at your bank account. And before, when I had ever done any type of gambling, specifically online, you know, years ago, before before I was married, before I had, you know, had the house, if the bank account went dry, the bank account went dry, and it's like, okay, I don't have any more money, I can't, you know, access any more money. And then I went down the road of getting loans. And that's when it got really, really scary. Cause at first it was a $500 loan. Then it was a $1,500 loan. And then I'm taking out a $5,000 loan and all of these are high interest loans. And then I'm taking loans out to pay for other loans. And it's, it, it became so much and so overwhelming. And there was so much guilt and shame in me. And I was terrified to come clean about it. And then it finally got to a point where I was like, okay, this is it. I, I, I have to say something. I have to speak up. I have to get help. I have to be honest about what I'm going through. And like I said, it was a massive weight off my chest, but the, the amount of support that I got from people from the beginning was, was, was huge. Um, you know, I went to a, you know, a bachelor party over the summer. I, you know, usually when I go golfing, there's always some type of, of betting going on when we're golfing and, you know, everybody that I would go golfing with knew, that I, I couldn't be a part of that. And it never bothered me. They're like, okay, well, you know, we're going to bet and we're going to divide up into teams. We're all going to throw 20 bucks in and sure it's just 20 bucks, but it's still, it's still a bet. It's still gambling. And, and I, I realized that I couldn't do that. And I, I really like that. My friends were very supportive of that. And they're just like, well, nope, dear, you can't gamble. We can, but you can't. Well, how do you get through that though? What, what if people are supportive? What, I mean, literally everybody know that sometimes you might walk into situations where people don't know you as well. And they might say, Hey, all right, we're gambling. Uh, I mean, you could start fresh and they would never know. And if you had money on you, you could do it. Yeah. I haven't put myself in that situation. Um, it doesn't mean that I won't be in a situation where I'm somewhere where maybe there is a poker tournament or someone's playing bags or someone's playing darts games that I'm really good at and can probably win a little bit of money. Um, but, uh, one of the ways that I do self-regulate myself is I don't have any money. 
And it's not because I'm poor. It's that when I get paychecks, they immediately go to my wife. I don't have access to any of this. I, I have a bank card that has a little bit of money in it for when I need gas. Um, and if I need money to go buy some stuff, I ask my wife, hey, can you transfer some money? And then I will show her my account. I am more than open to say, hey, you want you want to see my account? Um, she keeps me honest every couple of weeks saying, hey, you know, um, you know, how, how are you doing? Have there been any triggers? And I'll say no. And she'll say, hey, can I log into your bank account and just see if you've you've done anything over the past couple of weeks? I'm, I say, hey, go right ahead. I think that's beautiful. I think that's a testament to your marriage, too. I think that's really cool to keep building that trust. Cause like you said, I'm sure it's going to take a little while. Um, but that's awesome. Um, when you said, okay, so you came to a point that you were like, okay, this is it. I have to do it. I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that are at that point that say, okay, I need to come clean, but how do I do it? What if I lose everything? What if nobody can understand this? What if my wife leaves me? What if, and they just can't make that. Do you remember anything specifically that helped you just say those first words? Like that's the hardest part is just saying it. Like how do you say it? Or do you remember the mindset? Yeah, or? remember the, think, go back to the exact moment. I mean, it's easier to talk about it now, but boy, that must have been really challenging. Mm -hmm. it, it probably took a week before I said, okay, this is, this is the day. I kept... I kept putting it off for about a week. I'd be driving home and I'm like, okay, this is the right time. And then I'd get home and my wife would be in this great mood and we'd be cooking dinner. I'm like, nope, can't do it now. Gotta wait, <laughs> gotta wait. Let's throw more money in the bit, in the account here and make, make a couple more bets. And then uh, December 1st was my last bet. And then I came clean to her on December 3rd. So you knew it was your last bet. When I did. Okay, so what what did that look like? Like, how did you know that was your last bet? I didn't care. Like, I really didn't care. I was like, okay, well, this is this is all I have left in the account. Let's throw. I think there was it, it was it might have been a so I I bet all that Sunday, and I was betting basically just on football games because I was trying to build up money to to get into blackjack and play high level blackjack and spend a lot of money blackjack. I made some money betting on football that Sunday and that Sunday night I put a big bet out on a football game. And then I also, I had a decent amount of money. There was like maybe six, 700 bucks in the account in the online account, lost all that in blackjack quickly made money on that Sunday night football game, placed a bet on the Monday night football game. I think I had about 140 in the account during that football game and as my wife was cooking and we were cooking that dinner that monday night i kept like going into the other room and just placing like playing a couple of hands of blackjack i was like okay 20 bucks here 25 bucks there okay i'm up to 100 let's do 100 bucks and then i would get up and i'm like okay i'm done i'm up a couple 100 bucks then i would walk into the kitchen five minutes later i would go right back to the couch or i'd go to the bathroom or i'd go downstairs and make that next bet that last bet and then i lost that bet on that football game. I'm like, okay, I'm tapped out. I have no more money in the account. I don't think I can get any more loans. And I had tried at that point. I had tried to get more loans. I think I was already five, six loans deep and I couldn't get any more. And I'm like, well, there's nowhere else to go at this point. I, and I'm sure it's extremely difficult, you know, thinking I'm going to lose everything. Um, I had to have trust in, in my marriage and in my wife that, 
she would do everything to support me. But the only way that was going to happen is if I was 100% honest about everything. And it felt awful to say some of the things that I had said and to say how much I had lost and how much I deceived her and the loans that were out there. And it was like, Hey, you know, is there anything else? Is there anything else? Knowing in the back of my mind, there's a lot more. And I slowly kept saying all of it. And I, I just felt so terrible because she, she knew that I had fucked up. She knew that I had screwed up big time. And I knew that it could possibly cost us our marriage. Um, and, you know, she puts that, put down some, some guidelines at that point. She's like, if you want to save this marriage and if you want to save yourself, you will, will go get help. And I immediately did. The next day I was, you know, talking to Mike about, you know, where can I find some, some, some good places to, you know, go into some rooms and be a part of Gamblers Anonymous. Um, I looked up and reached out and found a, a therapist that was really, really perfect for me over the next eight, nine months and immediately started going to, to therapy. The toughest part about it is it was December when I, I came clean about this and the holidays around our house is, is huge. Like we love Christmas. We love the holiday season. We, we cook a lot and I have a lot of time off work and, you know, we watch a lot of Christmas movies. So we had to go through that Christmas of 2020 with me just coming clean about all of this. And, you know, I gave, I give my wife so much credit because there were days where she's just like, I have to forget about everything that you're going through for a day and how pissed I am at you because I want to enjoy Christmas. And we did that for a couple of days, but then she would remind me like, this doesn't mean that everything's okay. This, this means that you still screwed up and you have a lot of work to do. And, and to think that it's been a year, the year went by really, really fast. And I think we got to a good place a lot faster than I had thought we would. And it's because I was 100% honest about it. And because I was continually going through my recovery and she, she was pushing me to continue to go to meetings and continue to talk about it. And, you know, speaking of Mike, you know, talking, you know, Mike talked about, well, what if you do end up in a situation where there is some gambling, there's people around that you don't know about. I just say, Hey, I don't gamble. And the people that I know that are my friends, I tell them the story and um, it's not fun to tell the story, um, but I think it's important to tell the story. And everybody kind of goes through their different struggles and, and, and mine was gambling and it doesn't make me a terrible person, but I'm also not a perfect human being. But, uh, you know, I, I can realize now that if I didn't come clean about this, who knows? Maybe we wouldn't be living in this house right now. You know, maybe I wouldn't have a car. Maybe anything that I ever did own, I had sold off. And if it was just casual sports gambling, maybe I could have just I could have gotten through that. But something latched onto me with with blackjack, and it was it, it was like the perfect addiction for me. Uh, the other question that I have, and I think you sort of kind of answered it, but. When you said that you just kind of laid everything out like piece by piece, was that all in one night that you just like sat down and it was just a horrible like conversation about like, this is it? Or did that take like days or weeks it, until everything came out? It was pro it was probably over maybe over a couple of weeks that everything had come out. Um, oh, I think wow. there was still a part of me that was maybe being like, okay, well maybe if I hold this part back of the whole story, it'll be better. And then the next day be like, well, that's not any better. Like I, I can't be 
coming clean about everything, but then still holding some stuff back because then you're still deceiving somebody and you're not really telling the whole story. So, and that was me struggling with being honest. And I'm glad that it, everything did come out. There were a couple of things that I did hold back and I didn't tell certain spe- people, specifically my wife right, right away. And my wife's extremely smart and she knows me maybe better than me. And she's like, you're not telling me everything. I know you're not. So she, she knew there was more to a lot of it. And eventually I did come clean about everything. And I, I'm glad I did. I'm really glad I did. Yep. You got to. Everybody take a cue from Chris. Learn a lesson now. Don't make it worse. Uh, I guess you kind of covered this, but I don't know if he did clearly. Was it the pandemic that made you kind of stuck? Because it was it during 2020 when the pandemic blew up. Did that contribute to some of this? Or would it have happened regardless? That's that's something that I struggle to answer because a lot of people have asked me that. And there's been times when I would say, oh, yeah, well, I had all this time during the pandemic to do this. But also during the pandemic, like there was so many other things that I did. Like it gave me all this time to play a ton of video games. My wife and I got a chance to go on all these walks. I made a ton of repairs around the house. So it's not like I was spending 10, 12 hours a day online playing stuff. It wasn't that at all. I mean, I've always had the time to possibly go play blackjack. And it's not that I was bored during the pandemic. There was tons of other stuff for me to do. Um, So it's a tough one to answer. I I, I don't want to say that I I can completely blame it on being at home for, for, for six months. Maybe it did contribute to it. But when I got so deep into it and I went back to work, I, w- I was doing this at work and I was actually doing it more when I was at work because I had the time at work because I'm in my office by myself. I can sit here and be on Zoom calls or answer emails or make phone calls and have that phone right next to me doing a blackjack bet. You know, there was there's a system you got to go by and I was going by that system. So it's not like I had to really pay attention. And I had a lot of time when I was at work. Yep. I have uh, I have another question. Uh, so are you still going to meetings now? I have not gone to a meeting, I would say, in probably four months. It was probably mid probably midsummer. I went a lot at the start, uh, started speaking a lot, especially when I started feeling better. I, it probably took to about maybe month two or three where I really started speaking at, at every single meeting and I would share my experience and how I, how I was feeling at the moment. Uh, and then uh, I, I realized that I didn't necessarily have to continue to go to meetings that I could regulate myself. And, and this is the thing that gets tricky is, you know, any addict can say, oh, well, I don't need this. I don't need help. I can self-regulate this on my own. And it doesn't mean that I don't need meetings. Um, I don't think I've gone to my last Gamblers Anonymous meeting. Uh, I, I'm sure I will go again, whether I'm triggered or not. But I, I think it would be important for me to continue to go back every every few months. Maybe it's every three months, every six months, every year, and just recap my story. And it was another reason why I wanted to come on to your guys' pod is to continue to talk about it. Because if I don't talk about it, I feel like it may come back. And that's why I am so honest about it. And, you know, people that I haven't seen. And that was the one thing with the pandemic is there was a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while and started to see people over the last six months. And I, I, sh- I share what happened. I share, share my story with everybody. Yeah, it's real. 
Don't think it's not real, folks. We're talking live with Chris here. It's First Day Podcast. First Day Podcast on all your favorite social media platforms. Firstdaypod at gmail.com. If you have any follow-up emails, we'll forward them along to Chris. You can hit him up on Twitter, too. I'm sure he'd be happy to answer any questions if you so desire. He's the kind of guy who's always been pretty accessible. And he's making that obvious right now by doing what he's doing because this is not easy to do. Uh, There's a question here as well from Matt and Carrie about... Why blackjack? Now, I think you kind of covered why blackjack led to what happened. But, I mean, it could have been roulette. It could have been craps. could have been poker. There's a lot of games you can play that are quickly done now, especially online. Uh, have you ever thought about why specifically it was, you chose blackjack? Or is it just a random occurrence? could have been anything. I mean, it was the quickness of it. Um, the fact that you get a lot of hands in very quickly. You know, it, it, it's why... It. It's why sports gambling never really got me in too deep. And I never wanted to bet big money on sports games because I didn't like that anxiety of having it over your head for three and a half hours. You know, if I put down $100 on a blackjack hand, I'm either winning 100 bucks or I'm losing 100 bucks in the next five seconds. And there was a thrill. There was a thrill to that. Um, yeah. And also the, the easy access of being able to do it online at any time of the day. Um you know, whether I've gone to a casino or played online, it was always blackjack or poker that I enjoyed. Uh, poker was always more about, if I played online, more about playing for fun and maybe you get a chance to win some money. But that was always fun because that's a, a really fun skill game. And you're playing against other people as well. I, I, I never fell into liking to play slots or roulette Uh it didn't seem like there was any skill. I have a little bit of control over blackjack on whether I'm going to hit or stay or, or double down. And, um, you know, most people understand the odds of blackjack are going to be a little better than some of these other games, which, which they can be. Um, there's also that aspect of, you know, how real is it when you play online? And that's something that I, I, I wrestled with a lot when, when you play thousands of hands, tens of thousands of hands over, a couple months and you you get a lot of real bad beats and you're like how did that happen you know i didn't see that actually happen in person so i wrestled with that a lot as well and maybe that's why you know i thought about this before is maybe that's why you know it also didn't seem so real to me you know i don't see the money leaving my actual hand i don't see a hundred dollars leaving i see it leaving my account but that's not real right <laughs> it just it's, it's just a number on a screen I, I never saw that actual cash leaving my hand but then it's real when you go to the gas station the next day and you're like, oh, man, I just gambled away all my money in my account. How many quarters do I have in my car? And and that's where it's like I'm nearly 40 years old and I have a bank account of a 15, 16 year old because of what I've, I've done to myself. That it was it was very interesting to think of like. And, and that's the one thing is like this can happen to anybody at any age. I was I wouldn't say I'm fortunate enough, but I can't imagine what this would have done to me if I was in my early 20s when I was a lot more irresponsible and not trustworthy with myself and had far less access or ability to have money. I mean, who knows how deep I could have gone into loans that I would have no opportunity to even pay back. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough now that I, I do have a career and, you know, would it have been worse if I had more money in my account? Yeah, probably. Hmm. Do you call yourself an addict? 
I call myself someone who's in recovery. Okay. You don't, I, there's no right answer to that. I'm just, I know. Yes. Yeah, I know that. I know. I know there's not. Uh, also, was there anybody else besides your wife that was pissed off that like you had to work through or was, were you able to isolate this and keep it kind of in house? Because a lot of people aren't always able to do that. I know you had high risk loans, but I assume they were done with these scumbag companies that are happy to do it. Yeah. I mean, the only other, I mean, I, I told my wife, um, maybe four or five days later, I told my parents, um, I called both my brothers and told both my brothers, um, you know, we don't have a very big family. So I, I told them you and our good friend, Jamie, were the first to know after Christina, I called both of you guys uh, looking for a place to stay for the night. Oh yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Didn't um, need it though. What's that? No, no. And well, I, you might've gone to Jamie's that night. So yes, I, I, I did go to Jamie's and that was the right move. You know, my wife kicked me out for, for a few nights and that was the right move. And it was, it was heartbreaking for her. Cause we've talked about this a lot. She's like, it was the last thing I wanted to do was kick you out. But she knew that she had to show that this was something very serious and that she can't just get over it really quickly. And that's something that like, I commend her for because I know how important we are to each other and how important our marriage is and me being gone for four days, no matter how pissed off she was at me, I, I knew it sucked because she knew that I just told her this painful thing. I wanted to be there to comfort her, but she was so pissed deservedly. So that rightfully so that like, I needed to go away for a few days. That's so true. Oh, there's so many wonderful, positive, interesting, and useful things that you guys should be able to take away from this episode. Uh, you can follow Chris on Twitter, too, at cdeary1999 if you want to DM him and hit him up. Uh, I think, uh, was there anything else that you didn't get to say tonight? Because we pretty much do about an hour or so. and no. I think we got a lot of the story here, what you had to say and what you went through. And everyone's story is different. All these things are uh, they have different variables, but there's universality about certain parts of it. So I, I commend you for doing that. And I, I know that it was um, it was a long journey, too, even though it doesn't seem like it maybe because a year flew by. Uh, oh, we have one more question here. Why was the blackjack more thrilling? I understand it was quick, but did the online poker bring you more of a low or a hangover? That's a specific question. I don't know. <laughs> um. I mean, it just, it really ramped up like my brain. It, it triggered, it like sparked all these crazy triggers in my brain of, it got to a point, and, and this is something that I think was most important. This is when I knew I absolutely needed help is that it got to a point where whether I won or lost, I, the same thing was going through my brain. The same like sparks were flying. It was almost like I was at 4th of July fireworks, which I hate, by the way, I hate fireworks, but it almost seemed like fireworks were just going off in my brain, whether I was winning or losing. And that's when I knew it was a serious addiction is when I would lose $1,500 in a day. And I felt the exact same as when I won $1,500 in a day. Woo. That is a great way to sum that up. Well said, sir. I, I know a lot of the thrill when I would try to get opioids, it was all about the chase and like getting them in my mouth and swallowing them were really just kind of like the end result. But the actual mm -hmm. hunting down and going on the runs and trying to find them. And oh, that, that, that was all very big part of it. And that's always going to be a part of that addiction. And, you know, I myself, I, I don't think of myself as a constant addict at this point. There's a lot of 
stuff that goes on with the 12-step programs that are useful, but there's also stuff that uh, you don't have to take everything, as they say. You can leave some things there. And there's also a lot of evidence to show that it it's not a very useful program in terms of its efficacy. <laughs> like, it does... It's got a really low rate of return on its uh, keeping people out of the substance or the addiction that they're in. But the community and the entry point that it allows, I think, make it a very useful uh, program that exists. And also, there's a lot of spirituality that goes with it that can be really useful. Did you have you taken any spirituality out of this stuff at all? Or because we, I don't really think of you as a spiritual dude at all, frankly. No, no, you could I, be. A... No, I, I didn't take much of that out of it. And you know, my my wife would always say, you know, what step are you on through through those steps? And I was kind of doing my own program, and my own program was being on those meetings, being one hundred percent honest with it, and just tackling it the best way I could. And you know, like I said, I maybe I haven't made my last bet, but I got to believe this. I wouldn't say it was easy to get through this, but there wasn't any physical dependency. So it's not like it really hurt me physically to try to recover from this. I mean, mentally, it, it, it took a couple of weeks because I was in such a, a habit of addiction and doing the same thing every day. And, and, and that's kind of like my advice to a lot of people is I think it can be really hard to realize that you are an addict when it comes to gambling. I'm sure there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that are gambling addicts and they don't even know that they're gambling addicts. And what's odd about gambling is you can be a successful gambler, but you're addicted to gambling. And it's hard to come out and be like, hey, Every addiction is bad because, I mean, there's people that live in million dollar mansions and have amazing cars because of their gambling addiction. But I think the reason they're successful is they're able to self-regulate their gambling. They're able to put in the work to figure out what what's best for them to 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 make the, the correct bets to be successful. They're also not coming from a place where they only have two hundred dollars in their account. And now they're going to become a millionaire. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of people think that they can do is, hey, I got I got a couple hundred bucks in my in my wallet. I'm going to head down to the casino. And guess what? After that, I'm going to be up ten thousand dollars and then I'm going to go back to the casino again with that ten thousand more dollars. You can't get rich quick doing this stuff. And, you know, like I said, there were days where I was cashing out a lot of money. And at that point, I could have been like, I'm done doing this. But. I think the one thing with gambling is when, when you do have your wins, you remember your wins, but you probably remember your losses more than you remember your wins. I mean, if you ever seen the movie rounders, he talks about everyone can remember their, their worst beat they ever had, or they can never remember the, the, the best hands they ever had, had, but they can always remember the worst ones. And I think that's a good thing um, because that needs to stick with you. But I, there's so many people out there that are gambling every single day, whether it be high limit or low limit. And my, my advice to you is be open and honest about it. I think a lot of people are successful as gamblers because they're honest about it and they're able to self-regulate when they're not doing well or when it's gotten to a point where maybe they're losing more than they should, that they're going to their loved ones and saying, Hey, you know, maybe I need to take a break from this. And uh, I encourage everyone to do that. And even if you are someone who is successful, take a break from it every once in a while, just to get, just to kind of get away and maybe, you know, self-regulate yourself and see, Hey, is this something that can be successful for me? I mean, a, a lot of people, and that's the one thing that I, I wasn't afraid of, but a lot of people that I met in GA is when they left gambling, they took on new addictions. 
and I'm glad that I didn't take any on any new addictions. Uh, so that was very helpful for me. And I just, I just have one more question. So with Christina, um, because I'm just thinking for me, the trust part would be really tough that I would want to, I would probably trust that you're telling me the truth as we're going through this whole, I have access to your bank account. I have access to all this kind of stuff, but going forward, um, are you guys just like being actively open about talking about all of it and doing those check-ins regularly? Yeah, absolutely. She checks in on on me uh, through those first, um, you know, probably six, seven months of going to therapy. I would come home and, you know, she'd say, do you want to share anything from therapy? And I would share everything that I felt comfortable with sharing with her, which was pretty much everything. Um, So it was almost like I was doing a recap of everything. And, And I think it made her you know, not really feel at ease, but at least know that I wasn't, you know, mailing it in, that I wasn't just going to the, to therapy just, just for us. I was going to therapy f- or, you know, just, or just for her. I was going to therapy for myself and for us. And I was 100% honest about letting her know. And um, will I ever have full access to my bank account again with more than 30, 40 bucks in there? I don't know. And to be honest, I don't care because I'm happy that, she stuck with me through this, that she supported me through this. Um, she's much more responsible with money. So we probably should have done this years ago when we started <laughs> dating. Um, but, you know, I, I, I love her so much and I give her so much credit for, you know, standing by me and, and also still keeping me honest by saying, hey, you know, have there been any triggers lately? Uh, you know, like I said, I went to a bachelor party this past, over the summer and she said, hey, was there ga- any gambling that happened there? And I'm like, well, they, they gambled a little bit on the golf course, but that was it. No one asked me to be a part of it. Um, and I didn't want to be a part of it either. So I love you guys so, so much. I'm so proud of you, Chris. And you. Christina, I'm proud of you. I know that that's not easy for either one of you to go through. So I'm so happy to see you guys. That's awesome. Sure is. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. We want to thank Chris for joining us today on the First Day Pod. Sorry for the initial technical issues at the beginning of the show. It happens. We had never tried to put two headphones together on the same unit at one time, but we did it. And here we are. Are you proud of us? Yes, I'm proud of us, too. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, so don't forget the book club is always going. Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time is one hour. Get in, get out, get on with your life. It's about learning, growing, wisdom. It's about learning what this world's about and maybe being a little bit more wiser because of it. And you can email us for the link. We'll give it to you. It's not freely available, but it's very easily accessed. If you reach out, firstdaypod at gmail.com. We want to thank Chris again. Chris, you're a good boy. Everybody's very proud of you and grateful that you were taking your time to share with us. Your honesty was very refreshing. A lot of people said that as well. And, uh, yeah, man, we love you, dude. We're really proud of you. And, uh, you seem to have a real, real honest, but reasonable attitude about this thing going forward. So, yeah, well, thank, thank you, you too. I, I appreciate it. If anyone ever wants to reach out with me, I'm not an expert in this whatsoever, but I've been through it and I'm still actively going through it. So even if you just want to tell your story, I, I'm more than welcome to listen and, you know, give you advice on how I came clean about it and some of the steps that I went through to to help myself to get into the, this recovery. So Mike, Leanne, thank you so much for having me. I love you guys so much. What you guys do here on this pod is absolutely amazing. I'd love to come back again some other time. And uh, absolutely. We'd love to have you, Chris. 
Thank you. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week for another edition of the First Day Podcast. Follow Chris on Twitter at cdeary1999 if you want to reach out. I guarantee he will take your call. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone.